Welcome. Thank you. Can I pray for you before I leave you up here? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> I'm not going to stay. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Karen and for um, the message that you've been feeding her to her slowly in the way that she's been distilling that, ready to bring it um, to us here this morning. I just ask that we would have ears to hear your word for us um, in Karen's message this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Steph. So, I'm learning props are really important. So, my story is about a tree. But Barry the Dreamer's stories were so good, and I loved listening to you last week, Steph, um, sharing about play. So, who went home wanting to be like Steph? <laughs> And who of you incorporated some play into your week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did. I skipped as I went down the, on my walk and I actually fed the goats. <laughs> so, a bit of play. So today we get to look at something that impacts your story. It's about identity and it's about how identity Knowing your true God-given identity brings transformation. And, well, it's three books. That have, I was going to say there's two books that have influenced me, but there's three, aren't there? So here we've got this one, which you probably know what that one is. This one, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro, and this one, Living Fearless by Jamie Winship. You can see all my... <laughs> little uh, highlighters there, have um, really helped develop um, what I'm going to share today. And I'm not sure if I could find my tree again. Uh, so here's a representative. Um, and, oh, yep, there's a representative too. <laughs> might be a bit dark, mightn't it? Is on the east coast of England, a place called Skegness, somewhere you're not terribly going to want to visit again, actually. <laughs> I was in my mid to late 20s, and I was at a Christian festival with thousands of other people. But under the tree, it was quiet, and the grass was green and spongy, and there were no ants. <laughs> and best of all, there were no mosquitoes. Yay! It was just me. And God, because he's always with us, isn't he? And I sat in its shade. Yes, the sun was shining in the UK. Oh. <laughs> Clearly, something was happening. And I was reflecting on something that had happened probably around seven years earlier. How I was scared. And I didn't know God well enough at that time to know he would protect me. That he would provide for me. Or that he would keep me safe. Or he'd have my best interests at heart. When I left college... I applied for a job in a Christian organisation in Scotland. Now, Scotland was a million miles away from where I lived. 
no way could I move there at 18. And when they offered me the job, they actually phoned up, you know, before we had emails and things like that. They phoned up and offered me the job over the phone and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I just accepted a job in my local town just yesterday and, you know, I'm a woman of my word and I couldn't possibly say, you know, let them down and break my promise, could I? Under the tree... I came to understand I'd actually said no to God. Me, ordinary little me, had said no to the God of the universe. (sighs) I was a God follower. Here I was at a Christian festival. I clearly wanted to follow God. He immediately told me, too bad. I'm done with you. No. (laughs) He did not make me feel guilty. You're such a bad person. No. He did not make me feel shame. Actually, for the first time ever, get that, ever, in my life, under that tree... I felt something, palpably, I felt forgiven. So, I'm going out on a limb (laughs) to suggest that what I actually did under that tree was biblical. Because the Bible calls truth-telling or telling the truth confession. And we, just general us as humans, we can be sometimes really good at telling lies, particularly when it comes to our emotions. In Leviticus, it's, you know, you've heard it said, do not lie. Yet we often do. We present our fake selves to each other, you know, our our masks. I'm fine. Or, yeah, look what I've achieved. Or look where I've been. Or what I've eaten. Peter Scazzaro says in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And the journey of genuine transformation to emotionally healthy spirituality begins with a commitment to allow yourself to feel. That's what Jesus did. In Luke 2.52, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favour with God and man. It was in proportion. And we know that emotions are not decision makers, but they are a really good warning system, very good indicators. So today, if you'd like to join me and step into the river, I guess, uh, there are some pieces of paper on your chairs 
and a few pens or pencils around. And if you need any more writing implements, put up your hands. We've got some more. If you'd like to join me, we're going to tell the truth. Well, actually, you're going to write it down because it's sometimes easier to write than it is to speak it out. And I just want to say that telling the truth is biblical confession, because we're still working on the PowerPoint. Okay. So it's not just saying you're sorry. Now, if you imagine being in court and the judge is there and he's asking you to give an account, to give a confession, he's actually not asking you just to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He actually wants to know the details. He wants you to be explicit about what has happened. And God, too, loves honest confession. Now, we read about this in the Bible. In James 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, a verse that we probably, lots of us know, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Ooh, scary. And pray for... Oh, it doesn't say scary in the Bible. <laughs> Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But I just want to highlight that in Ezra, little book in the Old Testament, while Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites came, men, women and children, and they too wept bitterly. So they weren't just saying sorry. And in Nehemiah, it said they stood there and read from the book of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and then spent another quarter in confession. Don't think they were just saying sorry. And this morning, I read in Daniel, because that's where I am, and there's about a page of his confession and he says in there two times he confesses shame and then immediately afterwards Gabriel the angel appeared and he says Daniel I have come here to give you insight and understanding which is where we're going I was like yay confirmed again in there so I have learnt that anything that can have an I am put in front of it is an identity statement. And Jesus said, I am. And for each of us here today, people have spoken identity names over you from when you were just a wee young thing. And you've spoken them over yourselves. Like, I'm stupid I'm not good at maths. I'm useless. In fact, I was watching a movie the other day and there was a father and a son and he was in his face saying, you're useless. And I was like, oh, that's an identity statement that you've just spoken over him. <laughs> we could say, I'm frustrated. I'm really disappointed. Actually, I'm very angry. Notice they are all different from I feel frustrated or I feel disappointed or I feel angry. 
It's become an identity statement. And I grew up burying my emotions. I'm a Christian, so I don't live by emotion. I live by facts, don't I? And I was taught faith is not a feeling. We're up to slide four. Um, listening to our emotions, Peter Scazzaro says, listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. And discipleship includes experiencing, reflecting on, and responding to our feelings. And under that tree, I told God I was scared. It's an emotion. And I was emptying myself. And today, we're going to follow Jesus and do what he did. Because he is the exact likeness of the Father, who is love. And in Philippians 2... I was very excited last week because Di actually read this passage. In Philippians 2, it says, Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now, in other versions, it says he emptied himself. He became nothing or he laid aside. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus emptied himself. He laid aside and then he died. And then He was exalted, he was raised up, he was given a new name, an identity. So, we're going to do something a little bit different and we're going to go into our imagination, in our frontal lobe, in our intuitive mind, the place where dreams and visions happen. So, Barry will be very comfortable in that place. And we want to do that because that's a safe place. And for some of us, even sitting next to the person we're sitting next to, might not be a very safe space and we want to be safe. So sometimes it can be the beach, which clearly it is for Steph. Some other people can really appreciate being where mountains are or out in the bush. It could be your favourite chair at home. And we can be there while we're here, which is fantastic, isn't it? And we're going to tell the truth. But first of all, I would love to pray. So, deep breath. So I want to silence the voice of the enemy, our own voices, and invite you, God, to fill us with your spirit and sanctify our mind and our imagination, to protect us and surround us in this safe space. 
So here is our opportunity to tell the truth, to write down on your piece of paper the false identities that you've been called or the names that you've been called, the names that have been spoken over you by other people perhaps, the false identities that the enemy wants you to believe. Sometimes it's the ones we use to protect ourselves, to present the good front to the world. So let's write them down. What others have called you and what you have called yourself. And that's what I did under the tree. I had a book with me and I wrote it down. And now, in our safe space, in our imagination, we're going to give these words, these identities, to God. You could say, we're going to give them to Jesus. Or you could say, we're going to give them to love, because that's who God is. And, very important, I want you to watch what he does with them. So I'm going to give you another 30 seconds to just do that. Give them literally to God. Right. So I've done this a few times recently. I've been on a journey. First time, he took it and it just kind of dissolved in his hand. And I don't know if you noticed, but earlier on, I used the words ordinary little me. Well, that was one of my identities. That was one of the names that I called myself. I've even said it to somebody in this building. And I'm just ordinary me. I looked up the dictionary definition and it says common, of no exceptional ability or quality, average. And I can't agree. <laughs> there are unique things about me. You know, I stand here and I've got this hair, which sometimes people comment on. And if you get up close, you can see that I've got this scar on my nose too. So when you get to know me a little bit more, you learn I'm like no other. <laughs> oh dear. I am similar. I have a sister who's nine years older than me and then mum is 20 years older than her and if we stand in a line, I can know what I'm going to look like because there's a, a really common family similarity. So we can be really similar but we are unique, even identical twins. I grew up with identical twins next door actually and my party trick was telling, them, telling the difference from the back. <laughs> oh dear. But we are unique. We're good. We're different. Did you get the Aldi ad? I just. <laughs> and often our bodies will understand or know our feelings, sometimes before our minds. That's what Peter Scazzaro says. And for me, I carry stress or tension often in my stomach but this ordinary I carried right here in my chest and I was in the garden weeding and there was this magpie that came along and I was just watching him you know obviously doing the thing eating all the bugs and it seemed like this ordinary God just kind of pecked right out of my chest just 
as the magpie was doing. Yeah. So, did anybody see God do something with the names, the identities that you just gave him? Yep. Is anybody brave enough? Does anybody want to share what they saw God do? You don't have to. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, Steph's got one. Um, so mine dissolved as well, but then they transformed into butterflies and sat on me. So it's more like it's not that it's gone, that it's transformed. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Kylie. That's it's such a picture of my whole process that I'm going through. Separate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah? I just I finished up with the same word transformation too. So I can tell you what it was, but I don't really understand. It's just uh, drongo, which now I have to work that one out, but that was a normal, you know, it was usually bloody drongo. <laughs> but I sort of embraced that, you know. Anyway, I fi- and I have to find out more about what a drongo is bird and look behaves. But I finished up with a, a swan or an eagle. So it was a transformation thing. Great. Yeah, and David, what did you say? A, a drongo is a smart bird. Isn't it funny how good becomes bad? Yeah. Right at the time, yes, yes. Might be offensive nowadays, but um, back then. Oh, well done, guys. So I'm not going to ask you to disclose anything else because this part um, is where we're going to ask God to tell us his truth about it. So telling God the truth, confession, is us telling God our truth and it's an invitation for him to respond to us and that's called repentance. Confession activates repentance So, which is getting his perspective, agreeing with it, which can be challenging. It's that mind change. And then comes transformation. So I'm so encouraged that what has already happened for two of you has ended up with transformation. And the Bible tells us if the house is filled, no, if the house is emptied, then it needs to be filled. And we have just emptied ourselves like Jesus did. He emptied himself of those names. So this is the fun part because we get to listen to what God wants to say to us. And so you might want to do this on the second piece of paper because whatever God did with your first piece, you might want to copy that and do that at home. Um, Sometimes you know, they get burnt up and you might want to go put it on the fire. Sometimes it just gets thrown away. You might want to just throw it away. But this part, uh, we want to hear what God has got for us. And uh, in Matthew, it says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So we're going to ask him. But first of all, a quote. Jamie Winship, which is the author of the yellowy book that I held up, says, Repentance 
is asking God to tell you his truth about the situation. His interpretation of a difficult memory when negative beliefs about yourself and life first formed. So the memory remains the memory, just like Kylie said, and part of the history of your life. But remembering with Jesus can change everything. He was there and wants you to know his perspective. And this is revelation. And revelation always precedes transformation. Then you'll know how to move into action. So under the tree, I heard, you know, that I'm forgiven. That was revelation to me. And now I have a language to describe the process that I did way back then. Recently, I was doing this process and I became so frustrated because God wasn't speaking. He wasn't saying anything to me. And a good friend said, well, have you given that frustration to God? And I'm like, nah. (laughs) So I did. I sat down in my spot and I journaled, telling God all about this frustration because you're a speaking God and you're not speaking to me and I'm so frustrated about all of this. And I was writing it out in my journal and out of the end of my pen came words that I wrote and then I stopped and then I just read what I had written, amazed at what God was calling me. So let's do that all together now and give God an opportunity for him to speak to us about what your unique identity is. So I'll pray. Father, I'm going to talk it in the first person because it's what we want to pray. So I've given you my names my false identities. What do you want me to know right now in this safe space, in my imagination? What do you call me? So listen and then write. Beautiful. I could see that for some of you, you were getting different things that you'd not heard before. For some of you, there might have been some obstacles and you didn't get anything. Because we may need to go back to when we were first called that name uh, and forgive the person who actually said that. Forgiveness is a huge topic. It's a big topic. It's a decision. It's a process. All of that. Another talk for that one. And you might want to go home and continue that discussion with God. Another question that you might have is, well, how do I know that what I heard is actually from God? You know, surely I could be making that up. And any identity statement will be encouraging, will align with scripture, and it won't involve accusation or condemnation. And it should also resonate with you. 
Because God will only call you a name that he would call himself. He names us after himself. Like a good father does, you'll notice it. We've got a child and his name is Daniel David. You know, we named him after David. None of my kids got the name Karen and I'm actually grateful now. (laughs) So... Yes, and he'll name you something that moves you forward in freedom, that excites you and brings joy and peace. So we may need to ask God his interpretation of what you've just written down, of the identity that he's given you, because, you know, the enemy always wants to warp and confuse. So a good question to ask is, what else do you want me to know? Jamie Winship says, scripturally speaking, true identity is received from God in community through the intuitive mind in prayer. So it's really important to find a safe person to share it with them. If it's resonated with you, you might want to share it with somebody to see if it resonates with them. And then comes the third part. So confession us telling God our truth, repentance, God telling us his truth, and then transformation, which is what happens when we get his revelation. So after my tree episode, or the next night, I can't remember, it was a long time ago, there was a, a, they were speaking about surrender. Hmm. This time, I was able to surrender everything, you know, anywhere he wanted me to go, anywhere, he, anything he wanted me to do, and I gave it to my mighty God. But the interesting thing is that the whole trajectory of my life changed from that point on. I never realised why it was significant till these last few months. Yeah, it it just, I took baby steps first, and that's really important. We need to actually act on what God says. Uh, So first of all, I moved out of home, which then led to a bigger step. I went all the way to the USA, where I met David, and now here I am in Australia. (sighs) And... We see this in the Bible over and over again. David, the shepherd, poet, warrior, king, he learned by doing. It was first the bear, no, first the lion, first the lion, then the bear, and then Goliath. We can see it with Daniel. Daniel was taken captive. He was given a new name. He was given a false identity. And he was a dream interpreter, not just a bearer of, a dream interpreter. And he impressed the king. He was 10 times more capable in matters requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, is what the Bible says. And yet, when the king had another dream, and he wanted all of his experts to not only tell him what the dream meant, but tell him what the dream was, they didn't even bother calling for Daniel. He only kind of found out third hand. And then came the fiery furnace for his mates, because they wouldn't bow down, because they knew their identity and God rescued them. 
And then came the lion's den for Daniel. Again, because he knew his identity and refused to bow down. Because when we start operating in our own unique identity, things are going to look different because that's what transformation is about. And Daniel prospered. So confession activates repentance, which leads to revelation and then to transformation, which is about actions. So we do need to take some action steps. You might want to find out more in the Bible what God says about the name that you've just written down or that he wants to tell you in the future. You might want to look elsewhere, do some wider research. And you can ask God because he is a communicating God. What do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do in my true identity? It's the being first. It's being our name and the overflow of that. And doing what he says takes faith. You know, John Wimber spells it R-I-S-K. But it's taking a risk. It's transformation. So, one more question. You might want to turn your page over and write it on the other side. I nearly said backside <laughs> of the paper. <laughs> on the other side of your paper. <laughs> so, Lord, would you show me one thing I can do tomorrow to act in my true identity? One thing. What is it, Lord? Jamie Winship says, True identity is the essence of who you are, gifted to you by God, and meant to be discovered in relationship with him. It's the I you carry deep inside of you, secured in love and value and worth. Your unique identity is meant to bless the world. And I love that phrase. Your God-given identity is your gift to the world. And it doesn't matter how old we are. God is waiting for us to align ourselves with his truth, both in the Bible and what he says about our own unique identities. So remember my tree? I've discovered that that experience initiated a lifelong quest in me to find out more about my emotions because that was the first time I ever felt something and God connected with me. So you may find that something he planted in seed form in you many years ago still needs to bear fruit. The identity that he spoke over you today or wants you to discover might have something to do with those seeds that he planted in your life way back when. Let's discover what that is. Who's up for a journey of adventure? Yeah. So, just reminding you of these books. But Jamie Winship, 
and Peter Scazzaro. There's heaps out on YouTube and in podcasts if you are interested in pursuing this journey a bit further. Jamie himself is a masterful storyteller. He is pretty amazing and the stories that he tells uh, just blow you away they are incredible he calls his identity is an untire of knots he's lived 27 years in war zones um, and a militant peacemaker to bring peace in those often muslim so anyhow just to let you know about those so that's the conclusion today but if this has touched anything in your life and you would like some further prayer, it's part of that community that we spoke about and there is a wonderful team of people who are willing to pray. There might be something else going on in your life that you need prayer for. Or if you've got any questions, please come and chat. So I wonder whether our prayer team could uh, come please. Yeah, thank you. So if anybody's got anything that they need to pray over or have somebody hear it with you, pray with you, please feel free to come up. And thank you so much for going along with me on this journey today. Bless you.